Well, hello. Welcome back to Revive. It was uh, good to kind of change things up a little bit last week with our revival services, but I'm glad to be back with you all in here. And uh, we had a, a huge uh, D now. We had a big a week of revival, and, and now we're back, and we're really kicking off this new series, What's Next, uh, coming out of those really several big events that have really launched us into this calendar year. First off, it's March. How crazy is that, right? Like three months have already flown by in 2020. New decade, craziness. Uh, this month, if you think about it, just all of the, the things that our church has been a part of, uh, we had a college group go to Passion, which was one of the largest college age gatherings to ever happen. Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And then we had a men's group go to Guatemala. We went to Strength to Stand Conference where we saw a, really a uh, cultural superstar proclaim Jesus in front of 18,000 people, saw over 1,000 people give their life to Christ. We had Disciple Now where we hosted seven other churches plus us, Russia Fools, a lot of great speakers, a lot of big decisions that happened in our own group. A lot of decisions that happened uh, in churches around our community. And so that leaves us with the question, what's next? What do we do now as we're kind of entering back into a normalcy of life? We're gearing up for uh, Brazil. We're gearing up for, crazy enough, already the summer. But how do we not just get caught up in the hype of everything going on? And as you know, we start coming back down to earth, how do we keep this time with Jesus, our closeness with God, how do we make that impact our lives now at the return? What's next? And we're going to be looking at the idea of tonight of what are you remembering? And we're going to look at uh, the book of Joshua between now and uh, Easter. We're going to be looking at these different uh, stories in Joshua, and we're going to see this idea of, uh, of several different questions and this idea of what's next. And so, a question to start us off tonight is, what do you do to make sure you remember something? So what is a, what is a little trick that you do to help you remember? Write it down. Write it on your hand. I designate inanimate objects to remind me. When I look at it, I remember. Alright, so he will be like, alright. Christian flag, I need to text my mom after service. Like he picks random objects and assigns it. That seems way more complicated than just remembering the thing you need to remember. But all right, whatever works for you. Sticky notes. Sticky notes, yes. Sticky notes are the way to remembering. Uh, I went to college with a guy that remembered things in like, um, like acronyms. So I'd be like, hey, do you remember the listing for World Civ? And he'd be like, yeah, JTPLMN. Q A B B B three, and I'm like, what? And he was like, and then he could tell you all of those things, and he re he just remembered the order, and he was somehow whatever it is. We all have ways of like helping our minds click that we need to be doing something. For me, yes, sticky notes. I write it down. If you look at the back wall of my desk, covered in sticky notes, it looks like an unorganized madness. But in that, I have like Ashley's school schedule when I know she's going to be in the office. I have the schedule for like all the different people speaking at FCA. I have the series between now. Uh, really, if you look on the whole thing, I have all the series of every Wednesday night we've done from last January to 
this Easter on sticky notes of the lessons and who spoke and just all scheduled out. Like I, that's just how I keep up with things. Um, and we all have different things in our life to help us remember or to keep track of things. And we can do the same thing in our life when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. We can put reminders in our path that when we see it, when we think of it, it points us back to these experiences that we've had with Jesus, these connections that we've had with Him, these callings that maybe we know He's placed in our life and how that makes an impact with us. And so tonight we're going to look at a story of Joshua and, uh, and really see how this story can help us uh, remember. I want to give a little background before we dive into the Scriptures so that you can kind of know where we're at and what's going on. So God, thousands of years before this happened, promised this man named Abraham, that he would make him a mighty nation and that he would give his people a land uh, that will be their own one day. And so God's people, from Genesis to Joshua, is searching for this promised land, not receiving it. We see that Moses uh, helps lead people out of captivity in Egypt, and they're going toward this, this promised land. We see that the people were unfaithful. They didn't trust in God. They could see the land, but they couldn't enter into it. Uh, they sent spies into the land. Uh, they didn't have faith that God could provide. A whole generation died in the wilderness because they weren't faithful to trust God that He could provide this land that He told was going to be theirs. So now, enter Joshua, new leader. Moses gets to watch the people cross the Jordan. They're entering into this land, this promise, the thing that they have been working for for hundreds and thousands of years to finally get. And in this story, we see that they're finally putting the first feet on the soil of the blessing. They're finally living in the blessing that God has called them to, that He's given them to. And they're probably thinking, so what's next? This is what our people have been waiting for for such a long time, and we're here. And I think that the, the principles that we learn from, from this lesson really helps us in our own spiritual, spiritual journey. When we, when we finally start receiving blessings from God or feel close to God, how can, we, how can we help that propel us into the future? And so let's look at this scripture. It's a few verses here. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 4, verses 1-24. through 24. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along. So it said, after the entire nation had, uh, had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, Choose twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them. Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priests are standing. Carry them with you and set them down at the place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the twelve men he selected from the Israelites, one man from each tribe, and he said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift a stone onto your shoulder, one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You should tell him. And the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. And when it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. Then the Israelites did just as Joshua had commanded. The twelve men took... Stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. The stones are there to this day. And the priests carrying the Ark continued standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people in keeping with all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried across, and after everyone had finished crossing, the priests with the Ark of the Lord crossed in the sight of the people. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh went 
in battle formation in front of Israelites as Moses had instructed them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed the plains of Jericho in the Lord's presence. And on that day, the Lord exalted or He lifted up Joshua in the sight of all of Israel and they revered or they respected him throughout his life as they had respected Moses. The Lord told Joshua, command the priest who carried the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up from the Jordan. And when the priest carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant came up from the middle of the Jordan and their feet stepped on solid ground, the waters of the Jordan resumed their courses flowing over all the banks as before. The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. And then Joshua set up in Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken from the Jordan, and he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord God did it to the Red Sea, which he dried up before you or before us until we had crossed over. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. A lot of scripture here, but we see three things tonight um, as we kind of talk about this idea of what's next, what are you remembering? The first thing is recounting the experience. Recounting the experience. So, all right. How many of you have ever told a story to somebody about something that's happened to you, yeah? We've all done it, right? You've experienced something you wanted other people to know. You recounted. You retold the story. And so, um, just think, all right, so we're hearing this story thousands of years later, but there are really two areas of this story that we see. The first one is in the moment. In the moment, you kind of tell the story as it's happening. You're trying to process it. You're trying to figure out. And one thing I think is beautiful and I think it's one thing that I fail to do a lot of times, and it's probably something you fail to do as well, is that in the middle of God actually providing for you, we forget a lot of times to stop and to thank Him for it, right? How many times have you prayed to God to give you something, and He's done it? Like, it has happened to me a lot, right? But how many times have I forgot to go back and thank Him for how He's provided, right? That happens so much. And if we're to be honest, a lot of us right now, we are living in a lot of the blessings that we've prayed for. Like, I prayed for a long time for a lot of the blessings I'm living in right now. And I overlook every day how God is providing for me currently things that I prayed for in the past. Just think, the Israelites had been praying for and hoping for this moment for such a long time. And now they finally get to enter into their promised land. And they don't just say, alright, we're here, let's give up. They say, alright, hey, the water's... They're still parted. Like, we're still in the midst of this. While we're in the middle of this, let's remember who got us here. Let's set up this memorial to God to remind us that today He was true to His promise and to His Word. And we need to do the same thing too. It's a good thing for us to pray to God. It's a good thing for us to put our hope in God. But then, as He's providing for us, like, it's, it's hard for us, I think, whenever we're receiving blessing, to look to God. It's easy in the hard moments to look to God. But when things are going good, I think those are the hard times for us to look on God because we almost feel like we have things under control now. So we don't really need to seek God as much. But here, right in the middle, I mean, literally, can you imagine? Hundreds of feet high, this water that was once just a roaring... I mean, try to imagine the Mississippi River standing 
at a blockade where you can walk across on dry, on dry ground from Tennessee to Arkansas. How crazy would that be? And so you can imagine this water is built up. And while God has still pushed the water back, they said, you know what? We need to take time right here in this moment to just really soak it in and to, and to set up a way for us to remember how God provided for us. Recounting the experience. But not only in the moment, but afterwards as well. Have you ever heard some, like have you ever experienced something and then somebody that you were with later was telling the story of what happened and their details were a little bit different than how it actually happened? Have you ever done that before? Like I've been sitting there with somebody, we experienced something together, they're telling somebody else how it happened, and they're like, and then I said this, and I'm like, you didn't even say anything. Like you were just sitting in the back. Like, what do you mean? Like you probably have seen that happen, right? You get details a little bit different after the thing happened. And, and we do that with God a lot of times too. We, we believe that we took care of ourselves sometimes when actually God was the one providing. Uh, a lot of the times we forget how many times God had prepared a way for us up to that moment. And, and so I think that this story really shows us those two aspects of recounting the experience that Israel was going through because Israel had a hard time with clarity, recounting and explaining experiences that they had. For example, so we see that Joshua had just led the people into Israel, we, or into the promised land, the people of Israel. What we see is a victory moment in the Israelites' life. But Joshua really got to receive the blessings that his leader before him, Moses, had to do all the hard work for. Moses was the one who had to go to Pharaoh. On behalf of God, they went through, like, the Egyptians went through plagues. He led them across the Red Sea. He spent all this time in the desert with them. All of the Israelites complained. They, God literally rained down manna from heaven, what I imagine was like Chick-fil-A minis, for them to eat every morning. All they had to do was walk out and pick it up off the ground. When they got thirsty, Moses could speak to a rock. Water came out of it. They could drink. I mean, they had it made. And yet, they continually complained and said, we had it better when we were in Egypt as slaves than we have it now free. You're just going to let us die of hunger and thirst. And you're like, what? Like, you would rather be beat and have to work all day in the hot sun in Africa than to be free and to have Chick-fil-A minis rain from heaven and you just walk out and pick them up? Like, what? It's so crazy, but we do that all the time. We say, well, man, it was just so much easier living for the world. Like, I live for God now, and my friends, they constantly just make fun of me because I'm trying to live for Jesus. Man, I go to D now, and I get on this spiritual high, and then I come back, and I have all these temptations. It was just easier when I lived for the world. It was just easier when I didn't care about church. Because I didn't, it was easier when I didn't give my life to Jesus, because then I didn't feel bad about the things I was doing. At least then I could do what I wanted, and I didn't feel conviction. And it's like, What? Like, why would, you, why would you forfeit the great things God is doing for you? Because it might be a little difficult in the moment. But if we don't have the ability to really walk through what we're experiencing, if we can't, like, in the moment, just say, God, like, man, you are providing for me so much right now. Like, thank you. And if we can't set up markers in our life to afterwards, us be able to clearly explain what God has done, then we're not going to remember the right thing. We're not going to be able to tell others the right thing. So the first thing is recounting the experience. Second is realizing the expectation. Realizing the expectation. So 
The Israelites were not just expected to cross the Jordan River, enter the Promised Land, and then forget what had happened. What did God tell Joshua to do? He said to set up these markers, but why were they supposed to set up these markers? As a reminder to them, but not only that, they were supposed to remind future generations of the work that God had done and how He had provided for them, right? And so the question that I have is this. What do you think is expected of you? What do you think are some expectations of you? A lot of you have expectations that are put on you from maybe your friends to act a certain way, to do a certain thing. Maybe you have some expectations of yourself, of a crowd you feel like you should be involved in, or grades you're supposed to make, or how well you're supposed to perform academically or socially or um, you know, athletically. You have expectations put on you by teachers and by parents. You probably feel like, I put expectations on you. What do you think God expects of you? God expected His people here to remember and to tell others the things that they had done. And the truth is, God expects that same thing of us. When good things happen in our life, God expects us to use our good and bad situations and circumstances to lead others to Him. So that when people look at you and they say, Ryan, how, how is it that you've walked through these experiences and yet you can still have peace, you still say you have purpose, you still say you love God. How in the middle of so many bad things that have happened, how can you still have a positive circumstance? It would be easy for me to say, well, you know what, I just keep my head down, I just work hard, I just try to really center myself and I try to be a good person. It would be easy for me to, to point my life back on myself. And it's, and it's easy for you to do that too. But that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to be able to point people back to these spiritual markers in our life, just like these stones that they set up, and to be able to say, yeah, you're right. You know, I've went through experiences just like you've went through experiences where I doubted God's plan, where I had no idea what was going on, where I got made fun of, where, where, where I stressed out, where, where I was hurt, where I was confused, where, where I was mad. But God provided for me. And this is how He provided for me. Even in the middle of my doubts, He gave me security and trust in Him. Even when I didn't feel like anybody else cared about me and loved me, God continually showed me that He loved me and He was going to take care of me. When I felt like the whole world was against me, I knew God was fighting for me on my side. And so if I realize the expectations that no matter the good moments or the bad moments, I can point people back to these spiritual markers, then it helps me change the viewpoint of my life, my perspective. Your life is not going to always be good. Up to this point, Israel had experienced a lot of rough things. They had experienced a lot of heartache. But now they're finally experiencing spiritual victory. And they're setting up markers to where they can point back to future generations who maybe didn't get to experience this same thing, who maybe have heard stories, but have never seen it for themselves. All they see are these stones setting up. And they're like, hey dad, hey grandpa, what's those stones about? And because they set these markers up, these places up in their life, they can point back and point people to Jesus. But for us to be able to do that, we have to realize that those expectations are set on us so that we can prepare for it. I'll be honest with you, I've went through so many things, and I'm still going through things, that I'm like, God, I don't know how you're going to use this, but in the right perspective, I'm going to try to remember what my feelings are here so I can communicate 
yeah, I, I know maybe not exactly what you're going through, but I've experienced that same, that same feeling. That anxiety that, of feeling like I have to live up to the expectations of my friends to act a certain way. The expectations of, man, I, I hope people accept me. And I hope people like me. And I want to be included in things. And then being able to point that back to saying, but the whole time that I was trying to find acceptance and approval from the world, I was already accepted and approved by my father who had a much better plan and purpose for me. So realize these expectations in your life. So you recount the experience, realize the expectation. Finally, third, remember the example. I talked about it just a second ago, but Joshua was able to lead the people into Israel. Yeah, a little bit of his own courage, but most of it was from the courage that he received of following the example of Moses for so many years. He had such a great spiritual giant come before him. And he was able to take that example and run with it and lead God's people. And it says that the people actually respected Joshua just like they respected Moses. Which is a crazy thing to say because Moses was like this spiritual uh, giant in their lives. He was somebody that everybody respected. And so now this guy who's a new, brand new leader, he's stepping in and they're respecting him as well. We tonight can take from this that, man, we have examples of things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, to set up these to set up these things in our life where we can remember how God provided for us. One thing that I want you to remember as an example is this. A cool part of the story that I think is overlooked a lot of times is when did the water, which I would think is a barrier, right? Like just imagine, for years, they can see on the other side the land that's supposed to be theirs. But they have this mighty, literal physical barrier between them. When did the water, the barrier, when was it removed? When the Ark of the Covenant was carried by the priest, they stepped a foot in the water and the, the Ark was a physical reminder of the presence of God. The presence of God rested in the Ark of the Covenant. So when God's presence entered the situation, what happened to that barrier in the Israelites' lives? It was removed. And how long was that barrier removed? The water did not come back down until God's presence left the water. It said when the priest's feet stepped onto solid ground, the waters on the Jordan resumed their course flowing over the banks as before. Verse 18. One thing I want you to remember as an example in your life, you've probably experienced this, but so many times we feel like we have to fight the barriers in our lives. And we see from this story that when God's presence, when God shows up, all barrier is removed. And not only is the barrier removed, but any sign of it. They walked across on dry ground. Can you imagine? All right, if you walked outside right now, like I imagine the grass is still somewhat wet. Because it's rained. It's not rained today, but it's rained this week. The ground shows the presence of moisture, right? You're going to experience. You walk, you get muddy. I know that some of you have experienced because my office looks like a cow field most of the time where people walk in grass and then walk in my office. You, sh you have evidence of moisture. And can you imagine a river that was so mighty? I mean, even if it immediately was like the water was gone, the ground would still be soaking wet. It would be muddy. But God's presence showed up so much that the, the, any sign of the barrier that was around was removed. Which seems like an insignificant detail until you start looking at it as it applies to your life. 
Some of you are saying, Ryan, I, I want to trust that God has promises ahead for me, but I have so many barriers in my way. I have friends that are telling me that I'll, I'll never be able to live for Jesus because I've made so many mistakes. I got people, maybe even your parents or teachers or coaches telling you you'll never amount to anything, that you'll never be good enough. You got people in your life that are constantly trying to add all of these things. You have temptations. You have social media. You have all of these things that are distracting you from the purpose and the plans that God has for you. And you're wondering, there's no way I could ever overcome these barriers. And, th and then you experience these situations like Disciple Now and Revival and Strength to Stand and all of these different things. And you get on these spiritual highs and for a moment it seems like these barriers aren't such a big deal anymore. And then they're back. And you forget all of the things that God has done for you. What's changed? What has changed is that we stop allowing God to fight our battles for us. We stop keeping our eyes on Jesus and we return to looking at the things that are insignificant in our lives. And we try to make them like they have more power than our Creator. So tonight, I want us to, to do a physical response to remind us of the power and the presence of God. And we're going to do it in two ways. I'm going to pray for us in a few minutes, and what I ask you to do whenever we pray is this. Really reflect on your relationship with Jesus. Maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, you know what, Ryan, I did experience such a great, uh, such a great experience at Strength to Stand or D-Now, and, and you know what? I, I'm not really living in it as much as I, I was in the moment. Maybe you didn't even attend one of those. And so you don't really know. And so tonight could be your beginning of spiritual victory where you say, God, maybe for the first time tonight, I'm going to trust in you. What we're going to do is this. We talked about these stones that were reminders to the Israelites. On each side of the stage, there's going to be tables set up with these little rocks that you would probably, for most of the time, put at the bottom of a fish tank or something. And then you'll find a card that's blank. What I'm going to ask you to do is, in a minute when I pray for us, I want you to pray silently in your seat. And just ask God, God, how can I remember how you sent your son Jesus to die for me? How, in a moment of my life when I believed in you and confessed my sins to you, that you saved me. And just like on the third day when you arose from the grave, whenever I gave my life to you, I defeated sin and death. And I want to continue to defeat that in my life. Maybe tonight if that's your first time, maybe your, your spiritual rock is you can literally write down, I have assurance. I know where I'm going. What I want you to do on these cards is write a promise of God that you feel like God is speaking to you tonight. We have some examples up on the screen that you could use. Like God will forgive me. God will use me. God cares about me. You can use one of those if you want on one of these cards. Or you can write your own of what you feel like God's speaking to you. But then I want you to put this card and this little rock somewhere to remind you. Somewhere where it can be a physical reminder to you daily of how God provided for you and how He provides for you and how He takes care of you and how He loves you and how your life has a purpose. Because if we can have a daily reminder of God's purpose in our life, man, I truly believe y'all can change the world. And when we start thinking about what's next, man, what's next is a spiritual awakening for Henderson County. What's next is that your schools, your families, start being forever changed because of the gospel impact that you're able to lead other people through. 
When people look and they say, why do you have this little stone sitting on the dash of your car? Or when your friends come over and spend the night and on your sink in your bathroom, they're like, why is this note that says, God hears me, tucked into your mirror? You can point back to them and say, because God provided for me on March the 4th, 2020, and I've not forgotten that. And so not only have I not forgotten that, but I want to tell you about how He heard me that night, or how He provided for me that night. And you can start making that marker literally an easy way for you to share the gospel in other people's lives. I want you to remember what God has done for you, because you know what we try to remember more times? You know what I remember more times than not? My failures. I remember the times I messed up, the times I screwed up. I have hundreds of conversations a day. The conversations I remember the most are the ones where I didn't really say what I wanted to say. So the rest of the day, I'm running that conversation through my head, and I'm like, man, I really wish I'd have said this instead of this. Or, man, they, they said this, and I thought about saying that, but I didn't. And so more times than not, I think about, you know, whenever I was in school, tests that I should have done better for, things I should have studied on, when I played sports, shots that I missed, passes that were intercepted, chances that I had to to maybe get a better angle on a person that I, that I didn't get, and then I'd be dreaming about it nights after that of how I could have done better. What I think about more times than not are my mistakes and my failures than the times God provided for me. And why is that? It's because Satan tries to distract us and make us forget how good God is and how much He loves us. And tonight, I want us to start writing that wrong. If we're going to look at what's next, we have to constantly remember how God's provided and what God's plan and purpose is for your life. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I don't want anybody moving around. I don't want any noise. And I really want you to think, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Maybe tonight you can truly say, you know what? Tonight, March 4th, 2020, I didn't have assurance of if I died tonight where I would go, but now I've nailed it down, I know. Because maybe you are praying right now, God, forgive me. God, save me. Or maybe during this time, as many people will be moving around, you could grab one of the adults and take them off to the side and say, help me have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're like, Ryan, I know that I've not been living for Jesus how I want to, so right now, I'm going to put this physical marker in my life to remind me, God still loves me and cares about me. And I'm going to press the reset button and start over tonight. Just take this next few moments. Pray to God these things. I'm going to pray when I finish praying. You don't have to get immediately up. Keep praying until you feel like God is done. Not only you're done talking to God, but God's done talking to you. And then go get one of these little rocks from one of the tables. Get one of the cards. Write down a promise. And then either return to your seat or pray at the altar. We're not in any rush here tonight. Don't leave here wishing that you wouldn't remember what God's wanting you to remember tonight.